Colin Horton. I'm an award-winning surveyor, part-time property investor and self-confessed entrepreneur. I believe that business is all about getting to know the people that you're dealing with and that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this podcast. We'll be having in-depth chats, asking the personal questions and ultimately getting candid. Good morning, guys. Welcome to today's episode of Candid. Uh, I've got a lovely guest today. Um, and this second season, Energy, is kind of all about trying to kind of inspire the listeners. Uh, I was about to say readers, but you can't read a podcast. So um, I've got a lovely girl called Rosie today who is making waves in the property development sector. And I'm really intrigued to kind of hear her story. Um, it's the first time we've ever spoken, so we don't actually know each other. So, um, <laughs> and I really hope you guys take some really cool sound bites from it. And without further ado, I'm going to pass over to Rosie to introduce herself and we'll go from there. Yeah. So thanks for having me on. First of all, um, I'm Rosie. I'm the director and co-founder of Newman Rose Property Group with my business partner, Tyler, uh, who's also um, quite big in the sort of social media space with property. Um, my background is property development since birth, pretty much. My family are property developers and builders. Um, but last year I decided to go it alone. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot I want to ask you just even from that very brief opening statement. So um, just talk about your background because I always like to kind of get to know you. It helps me just kind of guide the convo, so to speak. So obviously you mentioned your family's in property development. Um, yeah. Where was that? National? Regional? Was it small time, big time? Uh, no, it's it's national. Um, quite big time. So they've got... Um, Property, uh, I say property, a development portfolio of over a billion pounds now and over wow. 10,000 units across the UK. That's development, not retained portfolio. Um, but what's interesting about Cassidy Group was um, it's a very small team um, that deliver that pipeline. So I think when I was there, it was five of us. So it's four people or five people now because um, a new member of staff joined. So for a very small team, they have a really massive output. So it's a very interesting business to be part of because you sort of do a bit of everything um, when the team's that small with an output of that big. That is mad. Four people or yeah. five. When you're there. That is, that's incredible. So who, what's, what's the dynamic there? So is it your mum and dad or? No, it's my dad and my uncle. Um, yep. James, my dad, Patrick, my uncle. Um, they're both the directors. And then um, there's two other office staff. There was myself and then also a cousin worked there as well so she's now after I left she's now rejoined after some maternity leave so it's a bit of a, it's a very family <laughs> business <laughs> how was it how, how was it working with family how was it um you'd be honest I mean it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's good we all we've yeah. gone really well um but for me the reason I left was just I'd, I hadn't always worked at Custies I'd worked for myself probably since I left school at 18 mainly for myself rather than sort of Cassidy's and I just found it hard going back to being having a boss, basically. I like to be my own boss. I'm a little bit unemployable at this stage. Um, I just like to do what I want to do when I want to do it and working for someone else doesn't allow for that. So, yeah, it was pretty much just the decision to, to go it alone. I completely rate that. It's that unemployable. It's a real kind of like, you're like, oh, shit, I've quit my job. I'm going to go yeah. on my own. <laughs> I don't think I could ever work for someone ever again. I'm pretty fucked. Oh, by the way, you can swear. Not You sound like oh, okay. a polite person, but you can swear. No, I've got a bad um, Okay, cool, good. All right. So um, obviously you mentioned um, Tyler. So I don't know Tyler, but I've seen him on Instagram. He seems to live yeah. a very wonderful life. Um, how did you two become 
connected? We went to secondary school together. Um, so we've known each other since I think he joined the school in like year nine. We've been friends ever since. Um, we grew up in the same area in the Midlands here. Um, and then when all of our friends went to uni, Tyler and I didn't. So we sort of stayed in contact there. And then um, probably two and a bit years ago, we um, became business partners within. So we have an education product as well as the development company together um so he's my business partner on that product as well um so yeah we've been business partners now for about two and a half years awesome i mean talk, uh, you mentioned uh, training product because uh, <laughs> we had another guy um he he won the apprentice uh, joseph valenta he's got like a con- construction trade mastermind okay. thing on there and that was really fascinating because it's a business model that i'd never really thought about as a uh, as a business model but i know it is yeah. It's a very good one if you can nail it. So what is your, um, so what taught me for your training product? So essentially it's a sort of A to Z of the development process, how to, I guess, how to be a developer. Um, But with a lot of sort of the key teachings around how to find the right sites and how to appraise the sites correctly in the start. And then, because beyond that, a lot of the moving parts are much the same. Um, the, the value engineering really comes at the early stages of the deal and understanding the finance in detail. So it's all about that basically. And But from a, um, I guess, an experience-backed perspective, so it's not necessarily textbook teaching, it's these are the things we do. So there's other methods out there that maybe other people teach or other developers do, but the only thing we teach is what we do and we know it's worked and it's like you know when you've got a portfolio the size of Cassidy one from a team of that size you know it works and that's basically the core principle behind the the education business no it's it's honestly I find it fascinating so we obviously I'm a surveyor so obviously okay. I'm in and around the sector uh, myself mm-hmm. and um our firm is kind of actively looking at development opportunities ourselves because we've got we've got building surveyor project manager you've got the infrastructure there now one it, thing yeah. I, so I, the thing I love about this podcast, so I kind of get free kind of business lessons from people, which I really yeah. enjoy. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great way of doing it. Um, so one big thing, I think it's the big thing, and I think it's always a taboo topic when it comes to development, not taboo in, in a bad sense, in that finance. It's mm-hmm. financing these things, which is, of course, the trickiest bit. You can have the world's best training, the world's best experience, but you need someone to, to back it and to fund it. How, I mean, obviously, because you two, don't strike me as that old. How, if you don't mind me, I know I should never ask a woman's age, but how old are you? Um, I'm 24. We're both 24. Jesus Christ, I feel like 24. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, like, I mean, it's, it's honestly incredible. I mean, how how did you, obviously, I was just, you know, how, for anyone that's kind of thinking about doing this themselves, uh, I know maybe because your circumstances where you brought up with construction, it's maybe a little bit different, but for people maybe coming into a sector, uh, like this, have a great site. What tips yeah. would you give them to try and get the right finance and to kind of pull a deal together? Yeah, I think, first of all, I'd be questioning what is their great site. So one of the most valuable things, in my opinion, that you can do when it comes to development and the finance is to have a site which I say has got planning gain in it. So there's profit in both the land and the construction. So this just means your overall margins are a lot higher. So when you turn around to a bank and you're wanting high coverage on your loan, it's they're more accepting of that because your overall loan to value is lower because basically you're getting the land cheap and there's more yep. profit in the deal. So that would be my first thing is a great deal isn't a deal that's got 22% margin. That's like just about viable in my opinion and you're not going to get good lending terms. The margins... I like to look for like 30% so that basically I think I did calculations on a site I'm 
working on at the minute and at 100% coverage on senior debt, it represents a 56% loan to value. So straight away, the banks are interested at, off, to offer you a high coverage loan. Sometimes they'll even do 100% on that basis, uh, taking into account what we call like the soft equity being that planning gain. Um, but if not, what we then do is um, we take what we can get from the bank. Uh, sometimes we'll combine senior debt and mezzanine lending, depending what the offering is. Um, and then we also take on equity partners. So um, obviously we take in debt against secured against the asset, but then we also take on equity into the business from um, sort of high net worth individuals mainly or sophisticated lenders um, to make up any deficit between what, what we can put in and what the banks are offering and what's needed. But like I say, because the margins are normally there in the first instance, that whole process becomes a lot easier. And that's like the, like something I can't stress enough to anyone I speak to about land is that's what you need to be finding day one because funding's difficult anyway. Don't have a site that's difficult to fund as well. Yeah. So the key takeaway from that is basically find a bit of land that you know just by putting a bit of plan permission on it, you can fundamentally walk away with profit if need be, worst comes to worst. Yeah, and that's the beauty of sites that have what, what I call planning gain in them is you don't have to build out to get your profit. You've got options along the way. You could just sell it onto another developer and take that profit out. Or, of course, you could build it out and just make more. But it's it's a much nicer to be, position to be in to have all those options rather than having to build out in order to get yourself out of the hole, basically. Yeah, no, that's very useful information, actually. I think I've taken a little note from that myself. <laughs> so, um so I'm actually looking at two stocks myself at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, be, as a surveyor, by proxy of what you do, you have opportunities yeah. to push your desk all the time. Yeah. Um, what are your views on one, rooftop developments and the two, office to resi conversions? Rooftop developments as in the new PD right to increase? Yeah, yeah. so we've basically got an opportunity for a joint venture scheme with the freeholder who is prepared to let us run the project, split profits accordingly. Um, what, do you think? what do you think? You like the idea of kind of rooftop conversion? This isn't a sales pitch, by the way, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm keen to kind of hear because yeah. so actually when you're based in the Midlands, there's a lot more... I guess land opportunities land, than there yeah. are down here in, in you know in sunny South End. There's it's yeah. cool really. There's nothing really yeah. around. Um, so obviously we have to look at rooftops and office to resi stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys have done, or would you steer clear of, or any tips? Um, the rooftop stuff. It's not something we've done um, because, like I say, we've sort of got abundance of other opportunities. I wouldn't necessarily steer clear. My only reservation would be understanding the interplay between let's say the existing building and your new development, let's say you're putting some nice apartments at the top. Great. What does the rest of the building look like? If that's a bit of a shithole, then no one's going to want to buy half a million pound apartments if they've got to walk through and travel through this rough building. So that'd be my only reservation is how does that interplay work? What is the ongoing management between the existing building and what will be the new development? Is it, I'd probably be more enticed into one of those deals if it was the redevelopment of the entire building and a rooftop development so it can become sort of one cohesive block. But I think, yep. yeah, my only concern would be, like I say, that main interplay. But the concept of it is great. It's a development opportunity. It's just understanding like the logistics behind um, how they link into each other. Oh, it's, it's honestly, there's so much, even just to get it off the ground, like it's, you've got to speak to all the bloody residents get them on board yeah. and a lot of these uh the ones that I've, we seem to come across are kind of 
older people who may yeah. not, not necessarily i mean of course you wouldn't, wouldn't want to get a bloody flat built on your roof but um that stuff is really bloody tricky and it's just it's the big thing in our well, obviously down here in london it's a massive thing at the moment obviously everyone's on the pd schemes trying to mm-hmm. get any form of rooftop conversion but obviously yeah. it's if you can make it work it's a you know it's a tight little buck on it so uh what about yeah. the resi stuff have you ever done anything there or do you get yeah. any opportunities your yeah, one. we get a lot of opportunities like that. Um, yeah, I think that they can be great because you're because in that situation you've got the whole building. Normally, some I mean sometimes I've seen it where it's only part of the building, but again, I'd want the whole building. Um, and yeah, particularly at the minute because obviously of COVID changing the whole sort of work environment. I know, for example, in Birmingham, um, a lot of Grade A office space came up available. So you know, when there's less demand for offices, obviously the best offices are going to rise to the top and be the ones that are taken so some of these sort of poorer quality office buildings are becoming available um and you know they make quite easy conversion because they're normally just sort of a concrete frame frame or steel frame building that could be knocked around inside to basically look like whatever put a new planning system on the outside um and you know basically you've got yourself a new building so overall i i like office to resi it's just sometimes you do find that because obviously they are a income generating asset in the first instance, the office, sometimes the deals are quite heavily front loaded. So sometimes the finance can become hard because obviously you've got a landowner who that building has a higher land value day one than maybe, you know, a redundant garage does because it is income generating. So in order to buy them out of it, you've got to offer quite strong on the land. So sometimes you do find that the sort of appraisals can become a bit front loaded. And then like I say, you just, your margins are a bit squished and, trying to get the funding on that just becomes a little bit harder all right you are incredibly knowledgeable aren't you on these things so, <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating um so one one thing um obviously because what fascinates me obviously when i've seen on your instagrams and stuff like a lot of the sites of they they're generally just pure land aren't they a lot of the time that i've kind of come I mean, how do you like obviously cause i know there's a lot more land where you are in mm-hmm. the country um so what kind of is there a minimum size that you guys look for to um, at, the end, at the end so with newman rose we're um mainly going to be focusing on sort of luxury residential in the first instance and then moving forward into the future we actually have some quite big plans to sort of become our own fund and have a lot of retained prs stock but in the short term it is to establish the brand sort of luxury residential and because of that we're willing to take on quite small sites so if it was say three units, but really like wowie homes, we'd take on a small site, but then equally two of the sites that we're um, in the process of buying now are quite big. They're sort of like nearly 20 units. And then we've got a few more at the minute with one landowner that'll probably be, you know, 60, 50, 60 units across wow. all the sites. So really it, it depends. I I sort of take a view, it, you know, rather than saying it must be this size site, it's what could that site bring us? And obviously one thing, we're really keen on is that content creation which is quite new in the development space a lot of developers aren't really content creators so um i always view things as well as you know what content could be created off of this site and what what extrinsic value does that have additional to like just the value of the site because for me obviously with an education business and growing a personal platform there's value created in that as well so there's a lot more that sort of goes into considering sites for us than maybe normal developers because of that 
So, like, with your obviously a lot of videos you put up are is showing your day to day stuff. Um, are they purely interlinked now? Then with your are they with your educational platform and your development? So they kind of working in synergy to kind of both promote the ultimate goal, which is kind of build build houses, but then brand Rosie as well at the same time. Yeah. So um, we with sort of Newman Rose and, you know, myself, we just want to become like a very transparent face within the um, development industry. And we've literally just take, taken on full-time videographers, you know, that are with us every day. Um, oh, wow. So hopefully um, over the next few months, you're going to start see, you know, basically very just open, honest and quite educational information because I just know that, you know, whenever I've, wanted to explore a particular topic in a bit more detail there's not really been much information readily available online to help people with that and obviously I've been really lucky that I also have not only my family but from that I've got amazing contacts within the industry so I've always been able to call someone for an answer but not everyone has that facility so yeah we just want to document everything and then you know the education business I enjoy I enjoy teaching. I've, t- I've taught for a long time. That was where the, the idea for the education business came from. But I'm not going to kid anyone. It's a, obviously a profit-making business. And the beauty of that is it's a cash flow business. So, you know, at the minute I've got a few sites that I'm going to take through planning and, you know, it'll probably cost £200,000 to do that. That money has to come from somewhere. So by having a cash flow business, we're able to cash flow the sort of planning applications and everything on the development side, which allows us to scale that business up quicker um, to document more quicker, which funds the education business more. And it's just a positive cycle all the way around. Um, You know, and that's really the whole purpose of having the two businesses. They are quite closely interlinked, um, but they're not property development mastery as it's called is a standalone product and Newman Rose is its own brand, but they, you know, it's known that they will be delivered obviously by me. Yeah, that's honestly, I think there's no, I see a lot of training courses banned around on Instagram and you kind of come up on your sponsored ads and you kind of see mm-hmm. the ones that kind of you yeah. relate to. But I think what is nice about what you guys are doing is the way you do put the posts across. It does, it doesn't come across as a showy or, you know, we're better than you. It's, it's actually, you kind of kind of feel part of the, of the journey, so to speak. And I think that's so yeah. important to people to see it. Cause I think you, you think of property developers, you just think, absolute ballers they're loaded living the dream <laughs> but god it's a fuckload of stress that goes into getting to that point where you can be because oh i mean yes it's a you know it's a great business but it's so much stress involved and, oh yeah and you know that's what a lot of people you know i don't know i love property development i love property i think it's a really great business model obviously i am going to say that but one thing i always say particularly to my sales guys who do the sales courses it's not for everyone you know for example, I'm signing loan agreements at the minute, which means I'm going to be taking on four million pounds worth of debt. Like that, some people couldn't sleep at night doing that. Like that is a lot of risk. I don't see it as risk because I understand the process. I'm confident in the site, confident in myself. But you know, property developers have a lot going on. You know, and not only that, they're employing God knows how many people across the site that affects their livelihood. It's you know, you've got 20 houses being built and the amount of moving parts going on with that. So yes, you do get a big reward at the end. But a lot of people don't actually also see the stress that goes into it. I don't know many property developers who finish work at five o'clock. You know, it's it's long hours, normally working weekends as well. So there's a lot that goes into getting that reward at the end. And it's the stress, not just the working nine to five. It is the mental hmm. stress that does come with it as well, isn't it? Because there are like, you know, uh, I've had a number of down valuations recently on kind of flip stuff that I've been doing yeah. and little things like that 
small things. But it's, it all compiles. It all kind of sits yeah. back here, doesn't it? Like when you're trying to sleep or you're trying to relax, you're trying to go on holiday, and you're like, oh, get off your phone. Like, oh, yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, how, how, do, how, does, how does Rosie detox? What, what's, your, what's your relax time? Do you give yourself, do you afford yourself any relax time? Yeah, time with my family is probably the most important thing for me. Um, I'm very family orientated. So uh, Tyler hates it. I'm knowing that if it's the weekend and I'm with my family, he will send me WhatsApps and he will like, won't get a response for like eight, 10 hours. Sometimes Monday morning I'll respond and he's like, I hate you for that. But <laughs> if it's super important, like if it needs answering, yes, I'll answer it. But if it's just him sending me an idea about a kitchen layout, it can wait until after I'm with my family. Um, so that's my biggest thing is I'm quite, when I am doing something else, I'm, I try to be as much as possible, like, you know, present with that. Um, but other than that, I think, the key thing is for me it's very enjoyable so like me and Tyler went for dinner Friday night just gone and the whole time we just sat and spoke about business not because that because you know we had to it's because that's what we enjoy talking about we're excited about it it's for me it's not it's not my job it's it's just what I do every day and it doesn't the stress becomes a bit easier when it's just overall sort of enjoyable yeah you need that I think you need that like I when I go for dinner with my business partner like you frighten sometimes you'll have low points, and I'm sure you do. You'll have low points where you do struggle. You are a bit like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, it's, it's, I mean, you might not, but it might be me. But there are times where you do struggle, and you do, you know, I've, it does get a lot. Running, running companies is, is stressful. Um, and sometimes you do need those meetings to just pump you up a little bit, that little bit of yeah, inspiration. Like, excited about things again and, and sort of remind yourself why you're doing it for sure. Because there are, don't get me wrong, there's days that I'm sat just doing boring emails about grand investigation reports. I'm like, what is my life? But, it, you know, for me, my, I, I, I like the on-site part. I hate the lead-in. I, I get bored by that. I don't like being stuck at my desk. Whereas when it's actually on-site and I can see the houses being built and get involved in it that way, that's when, for me, it's like it's like a kid in a playground. I love that. It's um, what Okay, what was... Um, I like to hear kind of about people's like first deals and stuff. What Talk to me about the first time you, you completed your first... Like your first one from start to finish... How was that? The one of my like favorite moments, I guess, from um, like time to now was when uh, one of the Cassidy projects, the smaller residential ones, um, we as we actually retained some of the units, and I now live in one. And I remember the first night in that house, like lying in bed, being like. I remember setting out the foundations with Alex in, in the office for this house. I like, and having seen it from like every single stage of the build and like walking through it every single stage and being heavily involved to then all of a sudden being sat in my bed in that house was like just the most surreal feeling. And, and, it, and that's when it sort of clicked to me that obviously, you know, stuff like the money's great, but personally, I, you know, I live quite a simple lifestyle to be perfectly honest. Like I, I don't, care for that sort of stuff too much it's it's just the excitement of building homes and that was when it really clicked to me that that's what we're doing is people live in these homes like I've sold them before and I spoke to the people but I've never sort of seen it on the other side I've always been the construction side so then personally to have experienced that like first night in something weird built was just like yeah it really clicked and that was a big part of like the Newman Rose um sort of ethos moving forward is we're building homes around lifestyles and you know so much thought will go into every element you know even things 
like the the health impacts of that house like how is it improving people's health and improving people's like mental health like all of that's going into those houses and it all comes from like that realization moment for me so that's always been like the biggest impact I've had like since sort of the start of the journey I guess I mean it's a beautiful story you built a house you live in it I mean that's I mean I'm guessing you're going to do that again um yeah I think at some point I would love to build like my dream dream home which is i don't know to be honest you watch, 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 what's your style like what's, what kind of style are you kind of traditional are you modern you um i like very like georgian style um cool. yeah quite big like uh, very like symmetrical properties i like sort of a um, modern contemporary finish i don't like um sort of the super high gloss like spaceship style homes i don't like that yeah. i like i love sounds really like away the face but i love like nature to come into the houses so like I, I'm, I'm a plant mum. i have my plants everywhere <laughs> i want my house to have good light for my plants so a lot of glass and yeah just like a really big flow and um you know me, me and tyler actually we're, we're looking at a site at the minute which could hopefully house what we're calling a super home so like a you know, nine, 10,000 square foot house. And we're so excited about it, not because we're going to keep it or even because of how much it'd be worth, just because building something like that with all the like details and thoughts that are going to go into it. Like, you know, Tyler last night was sending me Instagram like pages, like design houses. And he was like, I'm in a rabbit hole of design. I can't get out because we're just, yeah. Like something like that just gets us buzzing sort of thing. How do you, how do you find it with, um, cause you both strike me um, as you're quite, you enjoy the putting together the end product in terms of mm-hmm. obviously talking about Pinterest pages and whatnot. Do you have interior designers that help you do that or do you trust your gut and just kind of go with what you think's right? Um, we trust our gut. Um, we're both quite sort of have a good eye for that sort of thing. Um, but also sort of moving forward again, sort of the whole Newman Rose brand and sort of being a bit different to other development businesses. We're actually probably going to look at partnering with, brands and design houses um so it's sort of like more like how you see with hotels like um like branded hotels that are like you know the versace hotel we would not the brand of versace but (laughs) you know that sort of thing um and you almost want to bring that into the development space so particular interior designers and particular design houses um we want to partner with them um to create that sort of more bespoke feel throughout the entire property even down to like the exact paint colors that are picked not just you know a bed here and a bed there it's like the entire product from start to finish we want thought about so it all flows and all sort of links into each other i love that i mean like the branding side of things i mean I'm, I'm really passionate about and i went to i was at a hotel in london on saturday and they had their own branded i was like this smells bloody amazing in there it's like oh yeah that's ours we had that custom made i was like that's cool yeah yeah stuff that's like what, that is like that cool. stick with me and i'll be yeah. like taking pictures of it and being like right who did it for you i want that and that's the the key behind it is that feel you get i think it's a regret like the way you say partner i think it's a great because when you see stuff you see stuff on right move and whatnot and if you see like designed by x or you know in partnership with x, it does kind of give it a little bit more clout even though it might not really mean mm. anything it does give it a little bit more specialness doesn't it it's a little especially yeah, the people that are buying those kind so. of houses as well like I mean, are you with your? Do you have like? A, I'm guessing you have an end 
end user kind of demographic of the kind of people that buy your type of stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, it's site dependent, but do you do you do do you do that? Can't do you go that far into your research and kind of base um, your properties on your end user, or do you just kind of get it done and kind of hope that they'll come along? No, so we're so that's how traditionally most people do it. We've we're taking a different view. So and the sort of analogy that. Um, it's actually a developer guy phoenix that um interestingly said this and it really stuck with me um he did uh, you might have seen it on instagram it's called the knoll it's a house in nottinghamshire which is like it's beautiful guys a really um really interesting person really interesting guy um and he said that um you know you wouldn't go to an artist and tell them what you want an artist produce a piece and you buy the piece if that makes sense you, yep. you don't tell an artist how to paint the artist paints and that's the sort of approach we're actually going to bring to these houses is we're going to produce top quality homes. They're not going to necessarily fit the mold. They're not going to necessarily be what the market expected, but we just know with the level of marketing we go to, um, the level of quality that people will travel for them. And, and we're just going to say, no, this is what we produce. And it's not, you know, we're the leaders, not client led, if that makes sense. Um, so we're sort of turning it on its head that sense, in that way because um, yeah we we want we know what we want to deliver and we know what works and we don't want to be a standard house builder that just delivers slightly uninspiring boxes so that we, you know our product isn't going to be for everyone by any means but we're also not mass market for that same reason um, but yeah that's the sort of analogy that really stuck with me is you wouldn't you don't tell an artist what to paint. It's a bloody good analogy there. I like that. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we take we, when we kind of put this on the iTunes and Spotify, it, we take the little sound bites, and I think that'll probably be the sound bite that I take for this one. Yeah. One, okay. We have we had one girl. She was really sweet, and um, she was just like, "I just Google it," which is one of my favourite ones I've taken from all of this. I was like, "That's absolutely banging." Yeah. Um, so one thing that fascinated me about you was not just your age, but obviously the fact that you are a lady in a very male dominated sector. Um, and I don't, I don't speak ill of my profession and my sector, but a lot, a lot of the blokes are just wankers. Like how, how have you, how have you found the property sector as a woman, as a young woman as well? Uh, how's it been? Um, to be honest, what I would say is like growing up, I never, my mom or dad were never like, they never really, I've got three older brothers and then there's me and it was never any different. It was, it, you know, it wasn't, I never even had that pep talk that was like, you know, cause you're a girl, you can still do it. It was just, it wasn't even acknowledged. It was just, my gender was an, a non-entity in my home. So I never grew up thinking, oh, will things be different for me or whatnot? I, I never, I've never questioned myself once because I, of the fact I am a woman rather than, like say a 40 year old bloke, which is most of the industry. Um, when I first, obviously I first started working in the industry when I was 18, but even at 18, like most people were like, wow, you know more than most 35 year olds and you're 18. So I would sometimes get the odd comment that was like, you know, it's nice to have a pretty face or whatever around. And it's like, but then as soon as I started talking, they were like, oh, oh, okay. So sometimes I'd get a bit of a comment, but then they always very quickly change their tune. And to be honest, it's, it, it, it doesn't bother me. It, like you, you do sometimes get it. Some of the comments I get on my YouTube videos and stuff, it's just like, yeah, great. Well done. But yeah, it's just one of those things that I, I've never considered it as, 
an issue. If anything, I think it works in my favor a lot of the time because I'm very direct and in like negotiations, I'm very direct. Um, and I think I can get away with saying things because you, you get a lot of like this classic like alpha male, alpha male, alpha male, yeah. male, male. <laughs> egos going on in the industry and they normally butt heads with each other. Whereas I can come in and say something that, and they don't know how to react to it because, because I am a young girl. They're like, Oh, can I be arsey back? Or they just, it sort of diffuses the situation. So if anything, it's helped me get what I want half the time because most people don't know what, don't know what to do with me pretty much. So yeah, but that's partly framed by the fact I've never seen it as anything other than it just is what it is. Like I don't see it as negative or positive. It's just, how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we're not much more you can say to that, is there really? I, yeah. I love that. It's, it's powerful. And it's so nice to hear like positivity about young people in, in the profession, in, in property. And I know it's, it, it's a sector that has, I think it has a lot of negative connotations a lot of the time for people that do yeah. work in the, in, the, in, the, in the property game. And it is hard trying to, to change that. And it is a faceless sector a lot of the time a lot of people that aren't prepared to put their face on which is why i think you guys will do very 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 well and i'm I'm very looking forward to kind of watching how you guys get on Mm -hmm. i mean what what what's your kind of not end goal because you're you're still so young to even think about end goal but like where i mean you might i mean you might be able to do that in a couple of years i don't know but uh what you know where where do you see your career going as kind of as a rosy as a, as a standalone person and it and then kind of where would you like new most to go i just i love to know people's dreams basically it, it, i just it sounds a yeah. bit sad but it's what i ask on every interview that i ever do what's your dream and then like what the hell is that but yeah i just like to know your dream <laughs> so <laughs> tell me your dream um so tyler and i like i said we've got quite big plans um we want to take a lot of the sort of models in the American sort of real estate market and bring them over here. I think people over here think small. Um, you know, we basically want to just go up a level. So we, we want to um, look at ways of taking on funds in sort of more dynamic ways rather than just standard go to a broker, get senior debt. We're looking at quite advanced ways of taking on um, debt and equity to grow the business rapidly. But then importantly, we basically just want to, the biggest thing we want to do is create a sort of retained PRS model or a um, some people call it like multi-family model, um, but have it as a defined brand. So it's, and this is like I say, it's all starting with the sort of residential stuff we're doing here so that it becomes aspirational to be in a Newman Rose or webinars branded under Newman Rose, whatever the brand is, PRS block, because it's, it's not just a PRS block, it's a whole lifestyle. And there are other companies doing it. Um, you know, there's, like I say, I've worked with quite a lot of them who do really nice product, but the branding just isn't there. You know, they, they don't have that, like, maybe it's the, the age of me and Tyler, like the social media presence, like it needs to be, basically we want, we want to be like the biggest within the UK, not necessarily in terms of numbers, but in terms of like national recognition, we want it. There's not really a household name for development. As you said, it's faceless. We want to be the household name for development. If someone goes, oh, who's a property developer? They'll say Newman Rose. I love that. Love that. Brad, what you touched on with the PRS schemes and having it as a kind of bespoke aspirational brand, I think is banging, especially places like um, London, Manchester, Liverpool, where your target demographic might not necessarily be able to afford to buy the house that they want to 
not pretend that they live in, but they live in. Yeah. Uh, but having a lifestyle that gives them that that feel, you know, oh, they are absolutely yeah. smashing it in life. And even like, would you so much? It's, it kind of sounds like a private members club for a want of a better word where you know you've got to earn the yeah. right you've got to earn the right to live in we i spoke to a state agent once down here uh i won't well i don't want to sound them they're a company called the modern house and uh never worked with them don't know them. uh but i rang them up and they were we had an estate agency at the time down so it was called flat great it was a great 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 product but i just we ran out of money we just couldn't keep pumping cash in because set yeah. up estate agents on a national scale requires so much That's money it. so we kind of just still there but we just don't yeah. really have it at the moment um but the brand and that is wicked but anyway uh we're trying to see who our rivals were and we rang up this company called uh i won't say the name again because i don't want to get trouble but um even though it's already in the podcast it doesn't mean much <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we rang them up and i was like oh i want to sell my flat like how does it work it's like oh we'll send one of our appraisal specialists around to, to make sure you're worthy for us to sell and i was like oh okay I was like, Jesus, yeah. okay, have my house, take it. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, that work, it triggered something in my brain. Like, if you if people earn the right to live in... But you want to be um, in the club then? Of course, yeah, it's a special thing. And you've got really like, cool well, gym. Like, why, don't you want, why don't you want my flat? Like, what's wrong with my flat? Yeah, oh, That's I'll how you f- then feel. I'll yeah, pay I'll your pay fee. You yeah, I'll pay yeah. 3%. <laughs> take it. Yeah. But I think no, you understand. That, that's what we want yeah. to create. And, and the thing is, you know, obviously in the luxury residential, it will be quite high-end pricing, but in the PRS, that's mass market. So it's not, it's a private members club, but it's accessible for everyone is the key. Like everyone should be able to feel that special. Like, you know, they should, that shouldn't just be for the most wealthy people. You know, the PRS model is a rental model for mass market. There will be obviously some really nice penthouses and, you know, upper end stuff, but the bulk of that stock will be accessible to most people you know people coming out of uni or whatever and it's you know our belief is that you know that doesn't mean you should have to live in a shithole basically you know it should still be that you get quality at every stage you know and even like the affordable housing we do we're looking at some really interesting ways of delivering affordable housing at the minute and again you know a lot of house builders it's how how cheap can you throw them up and they're poor quality and it's you know it's a shame whereas the way we're looking at it we're taking some of the um sort of interesting models that we look at in sort of the student space and seeing how they can be applied to the affordable housing market to basically create more value there to be able to deliver a better product. So it's not just, we want to deliver luxury at every stage that we're building, be that if it is at the high end of the market, or even if it is just the affordable, we're going to deliver the best affordable homes that anyone delivers basically. That is nice to hear because the section one I see, like, I've got real mixed views on it. Like I actually, you know, I grew up in a quite a low income family growing up, and I, I I fully appreciate what they're trying to do with the section one hundred six side of things. But at the same time, I really actually begrudge it because you see people that work bloody hard to pay for these wonderful properties and these developments, yet people can get just shoved in there and not have to pay. And I, I know I shouldn't say that because I literally grew up as a, as a product of that, so I shouldn't say that, but I still really begrudge it. I just don't think it's fair. Um, and yeah. it, is, it is nice to hear that you're kind of putting the effort into that because there are kids out there like like little Coles, that's me, um, yeah. who would be there. Who could, you know, would be inspired by that kind of stuff. You do, you, know, you, do, you do get downtrodden on... It's something well, I think, you grew up in is awful. Some of the flats you see that are social housing that are on awful. awful, awful. Yeah, and you know, no, no, no one should have to. We, you know, we speak about this a lot. No one should have to grow up in that. You know, 
no one has to be born at the end of the day. And, and me and Tyler, we're big believers that like, you know, your immediate circle and the environment you're in shapes who you are. Um, so, you know, if you're in a dingy flat with poor, you know, the, the health environment is poor, so you're not your healthiest, you know, it's been poorly designed. It's some post-war era, uninspiring, you know, flat, the odds are stacked against you. Whereas if you're, you know, yes, you're from a family of low income who is on housing benefits, but you're in a lovely, affordable home, then, you know, one, they're going to be more, it's a beautiful house. So they're going to be more inclined to look after it rather than, oh, we've been moved into another shithole. Well, why, why, why should we be the ones that care when no one cares? You know, it changes the attitude. And not only that, you know, they're in a better space, they're happier, they're healthier. And in our opinion, that, that helps people become better people. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's investing sort of in the future almost by having those sorts of homes. Does that ever help with swinging the old plan, plan permission as well with stuff like that? Or is that something they take on board? Are they bothered about that or is that? It should be. Uh, that, should, that, should, should be. that should be a big thing that really affects their decision. Um, one thing I did think, I don't know, you might be able to educate me a bit more on why it's not really ever taken off. And I think what, the reason a lot of people don't like renting is they feel like it's wasting money. That's what they've always mm-hmm. felt. You know, you waste. I don't want to pay someone else's mortgage. Um, mm-hmm. Like the rent to rent to buy as a as a product itself. Oh, you see it around, but I don't think it's ever really taken off. I I I wish there must be a way to you know to work for both parties with something like that. Is it? I mean, you, you probably tell me, Carl, shut up. You're being stupid. Um, but so interestingly, in Europe, everywhere else doesn't. The UK is massively focused on home ownership. Um, mm. The rest of Europe doesn't. It's very common to not buy a property in Europe until you're like 35, 40, even later. Or if at all, you know, people rent, and but they'll rent the same property for the same amount of time you'd almost buy a property for, you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years. Um, and they treat it as their own home. and But also rents are cheaper because the model is focused that way. So first of all, I think we should move to a model more like that and that would drive down rental prices. The reason at the minute rents are stupid is because, I mean, for example, I used to rent and my mortgage is less than my rent, basically. Yep. And that's why it's stupid at the minute is because, you know, people are like, it is wasted money when you know full well, if you were able to get a deposit and were able to get the mortgage, you can afford the payments because you pay more for rent. So I get that. Um, in terms of like a, a rent to buy model, um, I think it's not something I've massively ever looked into because it's basically normally some sort of, it's, it's obviously a section 106 contribution. It's a type of affordable tenure. Um, and I know it ties people in, is my understanding, for quite a long time. If they're in a rent to buy or a shared ownership type scheme, uh, you, you have to stay in that property for a fixed number of years in order to then get the benefits from it. And I don't like the idea of people having to be tied into something for years. Um, I think as long as the you'd have to look at the calculations. How much could I save by just living in my current situation? And then could I buy a house out sooner versus if I lock myself in for five years on this rent to buy model, which works better? I think some people think getting on the housing ladder with a rent to buy model sooner is better, but I don't always think it necessarily works out financially better. Interesting. Interesting. I'll scrap that idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think it could, as long as it was designed i think you know it just needs to be looked at correctly to make sure it actually does help buyers in the long yeah. term um is the key thing and at the minute to be honest, I, I probably don't know enough about it in detail um 
But that would be my thing is it just has to make sure it is benefiting the right people. And, you know, it just, it just reminded me of a point. It's completely irrelevant to what we've been saying. But um, very briefly on politics before we kind of get round things up. Housing MPs and like the housing ministers and whatnot, I wish they actually worked in property. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a world dictated <laughs> yeah. by people that actually under, like uh, Mr. Jemrick, who has a real I do lease reform. That's my speciality, mm-hmm. and he he done uh, this is, he done a clusterfuck of a press statement recently. Yeah, and you can tell they have no idea what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but it had oh, huge repercussions. And like the stamp duty farce, I was like. Oh. Oh. Don't even get me started. It's, it, it's, I'm in the process of buying and selling now and I've got four yeah. weeks to get mine done. Otherwise, I'm in for yeah. a big, big hit on the stamp. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I've got, I'm hoping for a completion in June as well on my new house. And yeah, it's the panic to get it through in time. It's um, awful. Yeah. Can you bring the registry, who are the worst run company in the entire world, who who are also run by the government and it's just like oh like do you want to be ha- i think you'd be good as housing minister do you want to run i'll back you i'll yeah. be your spin i'll be your spin yeah. doctor if you want I'll I, you I i genuinely have this because i remember i don't particularly vote because it's yeah which, which awful candidate you want to back basically because no one knows what they're doing i know enough about the the runnings of councils to know how inefficiently they're ran so it, it genuinely gets like my blood going um but i remember when the last election the um Corbyn and Boris one was going on. Was it Boris or whoever? Um, and the, they were just changing their policies like day to day. And I remember as soon as they released the housing policies, I was like, not deliverable. If you ask any of the top contractors in the UK, not deliverable. Like there is not enough manpower, you know, materials, anything to deliver the amount of homes they said they were going to deliver. So had you just spoke to anyone in construction, you would know that those policies are possible to be delivered. So I genuinely, and I, I've discussed this, why is there not an ombudsman for politics? How can politicians just say a completely unvetted statement, we're going to deliver X number of homes without consulting with leaders within that space? And then people vote based on what they think is going to happen and they turn around and go, oh, why it didn't happen. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to just say they can do something without checking it. And then if they don't follow through with the policies they do adopt, they should be like, I don't know, penalised in the next election for it. Because otherwise, how do you know what you're voting for? Because it's meaningless. It's Yeah, I would, if, I think if I got into politics, I would just be like, right, don't speak to me for a month. I'm just changing the whole system because I just think it's a joke. I think you'd be good. Hold on the topic. <laughs> we'll save that for another day. But um, So we've come to the end. You have been an absolute wonderful guest by the way like you honestly you've been very articulate very knowledgeable very personal and honestly it's been lovely to have you on and um for my you know my six listeners um (laughs) (laughs) um, any advice for anyone looking in a very brief paragraph for anyone looking to get into the property development sector what would be kind of uh Rosie's top tips you can say get on your training course you can say that if you want but yeah. uh <laughs> um no I would, i'd say educate yourself in any way obviously yes i personally believe my education course is the best but educate yourself in any way find someone else that you know that is in property men- get mentored by them educate yourself you know get understanding with the planning process um as much education as you can is fundamental i'm always still learning you know if i hire someone now i hire someone more skilled than me so i can learn from them always learn um and then i think the biggest thing is have the, like the longer term vision i think everyone wants to get rich quick nowadays and property development isn't that at the end of the day it's a long-term game 
um, and don't underestimate. You know, you're getting massive results. Don't think that that's not going to come from massive action at the start. You know, when I send out letters to find sites, I'm sending out hundreds of letters. You know, like you have to make big steps to get the big results at the end. So don't, yeah, be willing to like put in the graft, basically. Nice, nice. Okay, and yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> um, how can anyone find you, or what's the best way to track what you do? I mean, I will put the links in there, but is it YouTube? Is yeah. it Instagram? What would you? Yeah, Instagram and YouTube. Like I said, at the minute we've not posted on YouTube for a little while, but that's hopefully changing soon with a full-time videographer now. So um, that's just Rosie Cassidy, R-O-S-E-Y, unusual spelling, um, and then my Instagram's Rosie Cassidy. Nice. Well, thank follow, you. Follow me on there. Thank you ever so much for coming on. Honestly, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you've inspired me for the day, actually. So I'm going to go and speak to my business partners after this. I was like, I just, I just love the girl. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, we will watch your journey and maybe get you yeah. back on again in the show at a later date, see how things are going. Amazing. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much for having me.